with me. London is very active at night. The streets where we work are very busy with car, restaurants. It's a different dynamic during the night, but still very busy. The city is always awake. At first, it seemed odd to me to go to work when the rest of the house was going to sleep. Some work a whole 9 to 5 shift. I go home before the night out reach to change and have dinner. I always dress in black and wear something very comfortable in case I have to run or... I never had an incident, but the streets are quite dangerous at night and you never know. You learn to live with things that would frighten other people and they become ordinary. You've just heard the impressions of a Nightridge outworker who wishes to remain anonymous. Hello and welcome to the first Nightwork pod. Nightwork pod means podcasting about night shift work and researching into the lives of night shift workers in global cities. Nightwork pod is inspired by my research into the sociology of the invisible migrant night shift workers in London. In this podcast, I introduce our listeners to a world of work that is invisible to the journal eye and inaudible to the nocturnal sleeper. I am Julius Caesar Macquarie and I'm an anthropologist. I took up research at night when I've learned that night shift workers were invisible in the scholarly literature as well as from the public debates. In this first episode, we will hear the stories of a bus driver and an NHS outreach worker. Before we hear the details about working at night, we invite our guest, anthropologist Herdeisings, from Regensburg University in Germany to tell us in a few words about his night laboratory project. He knows his stuff when it comes to researching the nocturnal city. He shares what he found surprising as well as rewarding when talking to people working at night and why he felt compelled to experiment with the nocturnal method to study those up and working in the night, the marginal groups invisible from the mainstream society. Hi, I'm Kerr Dysings and I'm going to say a few words about the nocturnal city and about the night laboratory project. I'm an anthropologist and as an anthropologist I'm interested in people, in other people. Traditionally anthropologists have studied the others in colonial contexts and nowadays anthropologists often study people that are so-called others in our own society, minorities or marginal groups that may remain invisible to the majority population. So in this uh, project, the night laboratory, I try to bring to light the lives of those people that make a living or work during the night. I try to understand their lives from their own perspectives. They may uh, do their work at night for various reasons. They, for instance, cannot find jobs in the daytime economy. They may be illegal migrants or they may not know the language which um, blocks them from employment in the daytime economy. Or they choose to work at night because it may provide them with certain advantages, a higher pay, no bosses around and a quiet working environment. All of them share one aspect and that is that they are invisible to all of us who lead a so-called normal life at daytime. In the night laboratory project I've started questioning certain established uh, habits that we have as anthropologists and it is that we do our research at daytime. There is an unreflected diurnal emphasis in most of the research that we do. So I started to do this experiment to be 
on the street at night in London and other cities to carry out anthropological fieldwork together with my student Cesar Macarilla, trying to see who is out there working and why, and talk to them. After that, I also started to shadow night shift workers such as security guards and call center operate. It's been a very rewarding experience. People often shared with me their most intimate stories, and that's been one of the most surprising elements, how people have been very frank and very eager to talk to me, and that many of these stories are at the same time very personal and universal. It does not matter very much whether you are talking with people doing night shifts in London or in Moscow, Sofia or Milan. These are some of the cities where I've done this type of fieldwork. They all share a similar position and their experiences are very much alike. As you've heard from our guest, night shift workers tell inspiring stories of lives lived beyond the frontier of the night. Their stories are both universal and unique. My research is about this city, London, and more specifically about the invisible armies of workers. I found that people employed on night jobs were mostly my male migrants. They either provide the night service to travelers going to their homes after dark or like the sleepless bats at Spitalfields night market. They load exotic fruits and vegetables six nights a week. Firefighters keep safe London's residents and some brave NHS workers give sexual health advice to night sex workers on the streets of East London. I was privileged to hear their stories, which I now share with you on the Night Work Pod. Could you please tell me your name? My name is uh, Jeff Moridi. And how long have you worked as a night bus driver in London? I worked for four years when I was doing my degree in health and social care. I've worked for nine, nine years altogether. And you have a bachelor's degree in uh, health and social care? Yes, I have a degree, yes, yes. And uh, how come you do bus driving? Uh, it was during the, um, the crash, the 2008 crash when I finished my degree and there was nowhere I could get a job. So I decided because uh, my, my wife had just given birth, I decided to try with the bus driving and I just became uh, adapted to it. And I just uh, continue all through nine years thinking that I'm going to get out, but I don't get out. Why is that? I think it's the, it's the experience. I have um, one of the experience I have is uh, when I was driving the bus and I was coming down on a very, very steep road. And uh, right at the roundabout, uh, there was a cyclist coming from one of the, of the lanes on my left. And uh, it was kind of dark. It was about uh, nine o'clock. It was during the winter times. So the, the, w- when he came, he was on a very, very high speed. He was cycling very, very fast. And I think he didn't see the bus when he was coming in. So by the time he realized the bus had already taken, negotiated the roundabout, he tried to ble- break. And by breaking, he slid and he just came under the bus. Right in front of me, I could not see him, but I could hear something I was dragging, like a black bag. When I looked at the front door, I could see the cycle, cycling light lighting up and down and when I look right below the door that's when I see I was dragging him but I was only about five miles per hour and the bus had about uh, 20 passengers and it was a double decker so what I do that I just uh, put a handbrake opened the doors looked where he is came out of my cab and I saw him and I just commanded somebody on the bus to call 999 and ask for police and ambulance and a fire brigade 
he's under, I told nobody should move from the bus because when they start moving up the bus, he was just shouting because it was like up and down, up and down and shouting. And before I pull him out, the ambulance and the fire brigade and everybody came. That's when I realized what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing because I think it was adrenaline. I was high on adrenaline. I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but I was taking the action that at that particular time I was supposed to be taking. When the police came, they looked at me and they couldn't believe what I've just done. So I went and had a sit down. They came and started then asking me questions and they said that I was very, very brave to have done what I did. That is what a police or somebody from the first aid would have done. So that's, that's, that was quite a nice experience. I loved it. Loved it. Jeff's experience as a night bus driver does not include only um, such as the one he just recollected uh, when he saved the reckless biker in traffic who just happened to go on his bus, but uh, also about saving himself from other passengers jumping on his bus as he recollects next. Somebody comes in with a knife and he wants to take about three bus stops. He didn't have the money. And uh, I asked him where he was going. Then he said that he was going only three stops. Usually we ask when somebody is uh, okay or not okay. But this gentleman just removed the knife and showed me and drive the bus. So I told him, calm down, my brother. Everything is going to be all right. You just sit down and enjoy the ride. Then he took the, uh, the knife back and he laughed at me and he said, you know what? You're a very, very good bus ride. And uh, it was enjoyable to see somebody happy and not taking the other action kill me or to do anything but just to sit down and enjoy the ride. Were you not scared? Well, at first I was scared but when I explained to him and I told him uh, I will take him free of charge and he's going to enjoy the ride. He was calm and he just laughed and uh, I was happy about it. And he didn't call the police? No, I didn't call the police. I didn't call the police because he came out before I reached my destination. Perhaps you remember how our podcast started but if not and if you just joined this podcast let's reverse to the beginning. London is very active at night. The streets where we work are very busy with car, restaurants. It's a different dynamic during the night, but still very busy. The city is always awake. Be prepared to be shocked by this worker, reflecting back on her experience of working with vulnerable group of women, street sex workers at night in East London. You know, what was very surprising to realize about the night at work, I don't feel this, but because I only work one night a week, but some women told me they were afraid to go to train station during the day or to very public spaces because they don't know those areas on daylight and they don't know how to orientate in space. They also mentioned they were not familiar with people's body language during the day, so they were afraid. Odd, isn't it? I have been working in the last four years and a half in a sex worker project doing outreach, development and case management. We are now working with the most vulnerable of the sex workers, the street-based ones. They are people who are quite heavy drugs users, so they work to feed their habits. Most often they are homeless, they are at risk of sexual or domestic violence and some of them are migrants who work on the streets because they can't speak English, they don't have skills and very little connections, so they find it difficult to access legal jobs. My service, um, we do night outreach. We drive around the main working areas. We stop when we see a woman and we give condoms, hot drinks, food. Most of the women know us and trust us already. 
At night is when they're the most active and alert and they can express their needs. So during the day, it's harder to reach them and be in contact with them because of these nocturnal lives. Sometimes they might find somewhere to sleep and they end up far from their familiar locations. It's harder. And it's also because of the drugs used during the day. It's just much more difficult to, to find them active. So at night... We find out about their needs and during the day we try to liaise with services and advocate for their appointments or to find them somewhere to live. Most of the sex worker projects in London are exiting services. However, we focus on their health and safety, on harm reduction and supporting them to manage their lives because we understand very well the complexities and the challenges they face and we don't set for them things they can't actually do. When we stop for the first time for a new sex worker, we introduce the service and speak about safety. We try to find out why she on the streets. Is it her choice? Is she working for herself? And so on. But we try not to be invasive and to gain her trust. Sometimes we may look like police or authorities. So our first action is to consolidate the idea that we are there to support her and help her, not to judge her. You might find this one strange, but after all these years, I don't see the sex workers marginalized because they are the center of my working universe. If they are marginalized, so am I. But you know, I can only live in my skin. Also, for most of the people, the subject of sex work is something taboo or exotic. For me, it's the day-to-day topic. I know hundreds of women working in the industry for different reasons, with different stories, from the most dreadful to the most exciting. I see sex work as business and some women are good at business, some don't. I know that many people would be shocked to hear me speaking like this, but I think that the public is misled by the media who portrays this work sex workers in victims. Some need to do the job, some won't to do it, much less are coerced as trafficked as it is put in the press. Exploitation exists in all areas of work and businesses in the world, which is really, really bad and unacceptable. These people's compelling stories mix a strange set of feelings of staying unseen on the one hand, from the eyes of the journals, the regular folk of London who works for 9 to 5 and being fascinated on the other hand by the lives these night shift workers meet and the friendships that they forge each night before the sunrise. Night work pod is about night shift work and not about nightlife but it includes references to the latter in a global city that never sleeps with its revelers and party goers all activities being sustained and maintained night by night by those who work at night. Glocturnal people, as I call them, who live and work in cities that never sleep. And the workers whom appear in the night work pod are the folks who keep these cities awake, spinning at an incessant speed and consuming around the clock, night in, day out. So far, we have been listening to compelling stories of people who maintain the cities during the night. Their compelling stories belong to people who maintain the cities at night. These are the human beings who are up and working when the rest of the city sleeps. These workers, through their stories, reveal a different phase of a global city that never sleeps. 
In the future episodes, we will be focusing on the effects that night shift workers have on their bodies. Because working at night puts pressure on the body, on the circadian rhythm, the 24-hour biorhythm. And when working at night, that rhythm is being deranged. And the people talk about the effects of such interferences when people need to be up and working alert in the night as opposed to being asleep as our experts on sleep tell us. In the future episodes we will also be considering other aspects such as how do night shift workers balance their work with family and social life because often people who work at night are invisible to the people who work in the day. In other words people who work at night remain largely invisible to the rest of the society, the mainstream society who lead, as anthropologist Herr Deising said earlier, a so-called normal life. When we speak about working conditions, we think of employers who provide the minimum decent um, needs for a worker to warm up their food, to make a cup of tea, to have all these uh, utensils uh, when they have a break. So we're interested if workers uh, have a break area, an eatery where they can sit down and rest during the night shift. All these questions will, will come up and and hopefully you will enjoy listening to the uh, people who will come on our next episode. Nightworkpod was created under the kind instruction of Ian Cook and Dumi Holdis from the Center for Media, Data and Society based at the Central European University School of Public Policy. This podcast is brought to you under the university-wide intellectual themes initiative to share cross-disciplinary research and more widely to engage the public on topics otherwise kept within the classroom walls or in the conference settings among academics. I hope you enjoy this first edition and that you tune in next time to listen to Phil, a London-based resident and firefighter, and to George, who run an NHS service called Open Doors, offering support and advice to street sex workers over two and a half decades. Thank you for listening. Until next time, follow our series of Nightwork podcasts on SoundCloud and Facebook under LightSparks Creatives. For podcasts on various topics, please visit the CU's podcast library which is an open and searchable hub for original research presented in an audio format.